You're listening to the audio of our live stream of Beacon by the Streampunks. If you like what you're listening to, please help the show out by giving us a rating or sharing it with your friends. You can watch Beacon live Monday nights over on Twitch or watch the VODs over on YouTube. Now, on with the show. Good evening and welcome back to Beacon, our alien actual play here on Q Times with the Streampunks. Uh, tonight is episode three, and if things continue to move forward as they do, we are halfway through our second season. Um, those of you may know that uh, season two, this is going to be sort of a shorter season. The reason to be revealed, TBD. Uh, we'll let you guys know when that's coming up. But for now, um, thank you for joining us for this far, and we're looking forward to tonight's game. Um, I'm going to go ahead. There's already a disclaimer on front of every episode. And uh, just to cover my bases, I honestly, as a GM, I, it's hard to predict what is going to happen when players make certain choices. Um, given the options, I'm sure that this group is going to pick the nuke the site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure option anytime they have that option to be sure. But just in case, as an additional uh, disclaimer, uh, as we are getting into this uh, particular chapter of the season, I do just want to remind everybody it's a horror RPG, so there might be some things that are kind of horrible uh, coming up. So um, safety tools are in place, and uh, audience just needs to know so that they too have their own safety tools. All right, that's all I got. Um, first up for announcements tonight, Eliza. Yes, hello. Um, I'm a poopy head. I have not written the last chapter of Blood Bar. It's hard to finish out a story <clears throat> that you really enjoy writing. Um, it's taken me a while to to really bring myself to finish out this story. Um, it's the end of the month, so it would be great for me if I published it this week. I'm gonna try my best. I'm saying this to hold myself accountable. <laughs> um, but the other uh, the other announcement I have is that I'm gonna be at San Diego Comic Con. Surprise! Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a panel called Level Up Cosplay Characters and Charity. It's going to be Friday the 21st at 8 p.m. at the Grand 10 Marriott, in-room Grand 10, I think it's ballroom maybe, Grand 10, at the Marriott Marquis San Diego Marina. So if you're going to be at, at Comic-Con, I heard it's going to be a chill one this year. <laughs> we'll see. That's the theory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know. I mean, too. I'm actually like, yeah, that sounds cool to me. Don't I've come been, Marvel I've been... <laughs> Star Wars and shit. Yeah. But I've been we'll debating see. on going myself, but probably only a Wednesday night when no one is there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and masked up and outside because, yeah, uh, SDCC doesn't have any safety requirements this year. So I don't know that I'm. Yeah. But um, all right. Yeah. Cool, well, cool. those are my announcements. Sweet. Thank um, thank you, Eliza. Uh, Noir, do you have something? Yes. Uh, so I'm going to be at Gen Con this year, uh, working Ooh. with Gen Con and Cobalt Press. And if you're interested in seeing me, Morning Ritual Live, or anything else I might be involved in, with, uh, I know I'm in. I know I am in a LGBTQA plus panel and a safety tools panel because safety tools are extremely important to me uh the schedule will be posted on my social sometime this week i'm also announcing this to hold myself accountable <laughs> sweet yeah <laughs> throw your cap over the wall i get it <laughs> all right cool thank you noir um and sam they who are known as sam yes um let's let's go with that one mm -hmm. today um but tomorrow i will be known by other names that you can observe if you are a stream punks coffee subscriber companion tier or higher as zavi as i play in wow's two on one then and back again 
uh, a Star Trek story of inestimable skill in the telling. Uh, alongside my co-star Anita, uh, we will be continuing to play through this world, which is very intricate, very beautiful. I'm very excited to keep going and just, wow, be really disrespectful. That is the thing that I do in that game on last Tuesdays. Anyway, <laughs> that is available on our uh, Discord again for Streampunk's Coffee subscribers, companion tier and higher. Check it out. You may have seen uh, Noir's GMing in one shots of varying types. Uh, and if you have, you probably want more. This is a good place to get it. I strongly endorse it. Um, that said, um, Eric's GMing is really good too. And he never murders me in scary games. Not in scary games. And definitely won't be making any exceptions. Lisa's like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> See, there, that, Can't Lisa. die if we're not here. <laughs> Lisa's like, yeah, no, I'm not doing this. No, no, no. She came back to save me. She came me, right? That was a mistake. Always... I meant to mute. No, season two was the mistake. <laughs> I'm going to find my way out of this. I swear. I'm excited. Let's go ahead and jump into tonight's episode of Beacon. Welcome back to the Coral Sea. And right now, the Coral Sea has just entered an unsurveyed system, trying to track down a synthetic known as Maitland, who has stolen Rasmussen, a bison-class cargo ship from Beacon Station. The reason being is apparently the director of Beacon, a former Weyland yutani executive, had secreted away her son, sealing him away in cryostasis aboard the Rasmussen, tricking everyone, lying and saying that she was reserving this craft for a search for her son. But in truth, he had been held in stasis in hypersleep while the ship was docked at Beacon Station. The reason being is apparently upon recovering him from a black ops site from the UPP during the Frontier War, it was revealed... <sighs> The young doctor 
her son, Alvin, apparently has a queen embryotic xenomorph in his chest. She's been looking for ways to recover her son and save him, but she's also made no attempts to hide the fact that she was using the fact that she had a queen xenomorph embryo as an ace up her sleeve without going into detail as to what that was all about. It hasn't been lost on anyone that her first priority was her son's safety and his health. That became particularly apparent when the ship was taken. If it had been possible to rip through the door with her bare fingers to go after that ship, she would have. Of course, there's more at stake here as well. Not only are you trying to stop this from happening, but this synthetic who lied to everyone and manipulated his way through the ranks of all the people to steal this ship is also responsible for the death of one of the crew members of the Ilios. After brutally murdering O'Donnell, Maitland strapped into a suit and threw himself off the station in a controlled dive, colliding with the side of the Rasmussen and gaining access, jumping away. Now, thankfully, Varela protecting what she had, one of her last ditch uh, sort of like the, the last security system on board the Rasmussen was a distress signal, subtle distress signal that would trigger once it left an FTL jump, beaming its location back to her offices on Beacon. That's what happened. She was able to triangulate where it was. And the condition that she would give that information over, she insisted that she be taken along with the Colonial Marines to stage the recovery and apprehension of Maitland. And she insisted you all be brought with her. You're her most trusted crew. And you've all had connection to Darkstar. Project Darkstar being the organization in which had manipulated this whole situation and was is apparently the cause of her son's condition right now. So the Colonial Marines, being that two of you have connections to the Marine Corps, one of you active duty and the one previously inactive, the captain of the Coral Sea agreed and you were all dragged out of Beacon Station and leapt off into the stars in pursuit of this Maitland. And it wasn't exactly like it was dragging you, kicking and screaming. I know that Tig isn't particularly happy about being reinstated. But the crew of the Ilios has all voiced their interest in trying to apprehend Maitland. To ensure that Maitland doesn't hurt anyone else and that what Maitland is doing is stopped. It hasn't been made clear specifically what Albright and... Well, two of you were Colonial Marines. Two of you were not. So, where does Isaac and Albright fit into this? That hasn't been established yet. Upon arrival at this uncharted system known as Micah's Star, 
Morella spilled the beans on everything during the briefing with the two fire teams and the captain listening in on everything she had to say, basically confessed to everything. Before she was escorted to the brig, arrested under the authority of the Colonial Protection Act, she pleaded to all of you quietly to rescue her son before she was taken to the brig. This is about 30 minutes later. Right now, the Coral Sea is on alert. Bridge crew, which is relatively sparse considering how much of this ship is automated, is currently looking for any signs of the Rasmussen. You are all kind of struggling to find out as much information as you can as it's trickling down. Thankfully, perhaps out of goodwill or sympathy for what's going on, the captain is not keeping you all in the dark. Indeed, he has actually been pretty open with the crew of the Ilios as to what is going on. Which seems to you, Martha and Tig, seems to suggest that the captain might be showing he has a vested interest in keeping you all in the operation, the crew of the Ilios specifically. We're starting tonight's chapter uh, aboard the bridge of the Coral Sea, where the crew of the Ilios has been given access. This bridge is very different from the Ilios. Of course, the Ilios is sort of like a blue-collar cargo ship. It's literally the Nostromo. <laughs> same class as the Nostromo. It's literally the same class as the Nostromo. So this, however, is a highly advanced tactical warship used by the Colonial Marines. It has a Mother 9000 system that's interacting directly with the uh, captain, and it is holographic display interface, up-to-date, high-tech sensor weapon systems, all are available. There are two pilots towards the front and a large deck area where you can see the CIC stationed right in the center of the bridge, where the captain is currently standing with his arms folded behind his back, the glow of the computer beaming up onto his face, this sort of cool, translucent blue glow, as he's looking down at a 3D representation of the system being drawn up in front of him. Each of you are gathered around the CIC table along with him, and of course, the lieutenant is here as well. She is standing next to her captain, Batista, is looking a little troubled by what she is seeing. Not necessarily because anything is troubling, but because, at the very least, it doesn't look like this is going to be a very easy system to hide in. And that's brought forth a little bit of suspicion on, pa on part of the command crew. What you see before you with the data readouts is a red dwarf star casting a bloody glow across a very remote alien system. There are two planetoid bodies in this system, and that is it. No moons, no asteroid belts, no nothing. Simply two planetoids. The sensor readout has the following information available for the two. The, further, the closest to the star itself, Mica Star, which is a red dwarf, is an ice planet approximately 2,000 kilometers in diameter. It is a small little world. Mother is estimating that the gravity of this icy planet is about 0.1 G. 
less than the moon. The atmosphere, however, exists. It looks like the atmosphere is thin and there are gases on the atmosphere, none of them breathable. Remarkably, the temperature of the surface of this planet is only minus 50 degrees Celsius, which is an anomaly to say the least and contradicts what a lot of folks know about how planets form and the way general physics work when it comes to this sort of world. Its size, the gravitational constant is the one that's really curious. The second planet, farthest, roughly 744 kilometers, 744 million kilometers from the red dwarf star, is another ice planet about 40 about 4000 kilometers in diameter so roughly uh, about the same size as mars with gravity equivalent about 0.41 g's so about the same as mars you could do a nice triple jump also frozen and very curiously hauntingly temperature that averages at the exact same temperature, negative 50 degrees Celsius. It's an ice world with an extraordinary physical feature to it, a super canyon that spans the entirety of the planet, wrapping around it, almost like a god reached forward and just grabbed hold of the world for a second before letting it go. Two is basically this frosty white ball floating in space amongst this bloody red star that you guys see shining off into the distance. Through the great canopied windows that look out from the coral sea, you can see that brilliant blood red dot in the bright orange center of this red dwarf. As everyone is taking note of some of the information that you're getting from these two worlds. It's not lost on the captain or even Batista. Batista may be a grunt, but she knows when she sees something that's kind of fucking weird. The two of them have been murmuring back and forth to one another, but this is, there's not enough information to raise alarm, but there's enough information to raise a lot of WTF. Can I request a, a, a roll that might be a little silly? Sure. Silly <laughs> rolls are good. Can I? I would like to try to roll medical aid to see if there's any sort of advantage that uh, that our android friend would have in this environment to see if that's why they brought us here. Um, I'll give it to you. Okay. Um, the first thing that comes to your mind is an ice planet would certainly help if something went wrong with, if you were trying to transport, say, a body that was in hypersleep. Um, the temperatures of the planet itself might be beneficial. That's what I was thinking. It, it's not gonna. It's not like cryofreeze though, but it might be beneficial. So, for example, if the worst were to come to pass and cryosleep is interrupted, or Dr. Varela was pulled from that hypersleep chamber. The natural environment of the planet might slow down the process of gestation and eventual birth of the alien queen. 
that's all uh, you can figure. There's not enough data yeah. beyond that. And it doesn't necessarily mean that's why Maitland's here, but it is at least one advantage you could picture. What's up, Martha? Uh, I'm wondering if I should just ask this in character, if we're all kind of convening and talking about this. Mm -hmm. I have questions in character. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Martha says, I'm not an astrophysicist or a cosmologist or anything. Captain cuts you off immediately and says, speak your mind, Martha. I want to hear everything you've got to say. Your opinion is highly valued right now. I guess my biggest question is, um, are these planets, there's a lot of like weird similarities and there shouldn't be based on like how far they are from their planet, from their star. Um, are they like in sync? Are they, um, what do their orbits look like compared to each other? Are they tidally locked? to each other somehow is there yeah i just want to see what other similarities can we find if we did more batista says damn that's a good idea mother can you give us any kind of uh, a model to show us what the orbits of these planets look like around the star mothers you hear this like the computation is already starting to play out across the computer board in front of you and you hear mother say processing yes here is the display. Here is the information you've requested, and you see the orbital track of these two planets. Um, doesn't look like they're in sync at all. Hmm. I've detected a strange anomaly, however. First, undetected by the initial scan, it would appear that both planets are the exact same estimation and age, meaning they formed at roughly the same time, within the within at least a hundred million years of each other. This would coincide with the development of the system itself. Huh. Do we think they were the same planet and they split apart? It's a possibility. Kind of like how we look at Pangea models, how you can see where the like continents maybe possibly split apart. Is there any sort of holding up them, these two planets together with that odd like global canyon that went around is there anything that we could see similarities like puzzle piece areas of either of these two planetoids we need to approach the planetoids for me to get a better scan the okay. captain says my guess is private's probably correct my guess is that we are going to find out that the smaller planet was probably a piece of the larger or at the very least the smaller planet was once a moon of the larger Maybe the orbits have changed. In any oh, that case, wasn't, wasn't my that was a Martha thought, not a Tig thought. Noted. Captain, is there any way that I might request any information you might have on this extraterrestrial that we may be encountering in the director's son? There is a glance over to the lieutenant. The LT looks back at the captain captain slowly gazes back over to you albright and says all right doctor you're right it's time everyone here got a full briefing on what we might be encountering mother you hear mother immediately acknowledge the input and it's almost with like a slow sort of like reverence like a horrid reverence that the captain says 
looking up files on Xenomorph XX121. A few moments later, Albright, you see what you will forever remember. It's the first image of a Xenomorph appear up on the digital display screen. Um, it's difficult to tell how tall it is because it looks like it's body cam footage. Your guess, just from looking at it, from what you know about biology, is the creature probably stands close to about seven feet. Its head elongated. You can't imagine a more nightmarish, humanoid-looking thing you've ever seen in your life. The teeth of this thing, despite the absolutely jet, blackest night, like, glossy exterior of tubules... Claws, tails, spines, bone. The teeth are what really shine. They contrast sharply against the rest of the body. And if you didn't know any better, just from looking at it from the footage, they almost look like they're made of metal, the way they glint in the way the camera is catching them. And the captain exposits. This is the xenomorph, or at least one of the breeds of xenomorph. It is a extraterrestrial species with a bit of a history that is shrouded in need-to-know classifications. Suffice to say, it is not a naturally occurring species. We believe it was genetically engineered, genetically altered, manipulated species that was created. So we are still trying to analyze the data on Xenomorph is murderously aggressive with a structure very similar to Earth's ants with coming into a hive-like society complete with a queen, the very xenomorph species that we are currently attempting to extract from Dr. Varela. goes on to show you all the stats the things that are starting to pop up about known the things that you see that are showing up as known attributes of this horrifyingly beautiful alien species doctor some of the things listed in the files tough outer layer difficult to damage with non-armor piercing ammunition is the one thing you note susceptible to fire like most things that live uh, you also note the high concentration of corrosive biological liquid with inside, kind of erroneously referred to as acid, but is basically a corrosive substance that is capable of burning through metals. Known to have a splashing-like effect. And this is immediately conjuring in both Martha and Tig a chilled reminder of the thing you encountered in that cargo bay when you saw the effect of its blood splashing against the floor of the cargo bay before it died. This thing, indeed, looks similar. The way its shoulders are... Everything looks like corpse-like thin. But the limbs are incredibly long. The fingers that end in these talons are incredibly long. The entire thing just looks like it's made out of bones with this strange black glossy carapace just stretched over this skeleton. It is beautiful and terrifying to look at. What you also note is the name of the Marine on the lower left corner 
just a normal name. But you do note that the file lists the Marine is deceased. The body cam footage is coming from. Oh, what's, <clears throat> what's, what is the, what's the last name on that Marine? Thankfully, it's no one you recognize. All right. Um, <clears throat> but then the captain continues and says, this life form is what Wayland yutani the UPP project known as Dark Star, and the Rogue Project, known as Project Life Force, were trying to weaponize. We don't fully understand what the relationship it it has with the substance colloquially known as the black goo, but we do know that it is associated somehow with the chemical agents that have been used and were used against the colonial marines and the UPP armies during the frontier war. And we think that might be connected somehow to your friend, Private. The captain looks directly at you, Tig. We don't know the full details. Command has kept as much of it under wraps as possible simply because the information is so dangerous. We've already seen what the Weyland Yutani Corporation has done with it. But anybody who can get their hands on is done with it. And the children of the two divines believe that what you see in front of you is the essentially the ascension of the human race. That the creature that bursts forth from the chest of its host is an evolved human soul turned into one of these fucking lunatics. He says with just utter disgust. Thank you for sharing, Captain. This information is classified, by the way. So keep that in mind. Of course. I, I, I have a question. Um, does anybody here uh, partake in the hobby of beekeeping? I, I beekeeping. Uh, I simply ask because, from what I understand, there is a queen in the body of the director's son. Uh, with beekeeping, the easiest way to move a hive is to take the queen, and the rest will follow. I ask because if this functions in a similar manner to ants or bees, if we have been drawn out here, we are anticipating dealing with one queen in stasis, not quite a threat. But here, in this unknown planet, planets, could it be possible that, that we have been drawn somewhere where the others might be coming to protect their queen, start a new hive, something of the sort? Captain yes. considers that for a moment. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask, but uh, with Terran eusocial insects, like species of ants, aren't they capable of transforming? That's Ordinary. correct. Oh, In the absence good. of a queen, there are xenomorphs that have the capability of transforming. As so they Isaac may already is. have one. 
It's possible, yes. If that's where we're going. We don't know what we're diving into here. If we're headed to a hive, then it's very likely there is already a queen. In which case, I have the authorization to absolutely disintegrate the hive. Well, that that's the other thing. Um, right now, we are just looking to understand the planet as we... Uh, for whatever we might be able to find. Is there any sort of signature that we have acquired from these aliens that might be able to help us key in on where they might be if we know where they are it'd be helpful to know where we don't go <laughs> isn't that why they went to an ice planet we can't get infrared from them xenomorphs are notoriously difficult to detect on sensors not impossible but notoriously difficult more often than not we detect them by movement We've also noticed that they do not respond to infrared, even in environments where I should say they do not give off enough ambient energy of body heat to be detected. It requires multiple different spectrums to actually see them when there is no light. Low light vision is usable, but when it comes to ship sensors, it's difficult. Usually we have to eyeball it, unfortunately. Curiously enough, an observation has been made that xenomorphs, unless threatened, react indifferently towards synthetic life forms. That must be how Maitland could interface with them. I believe so. Some of the information that was recovered by the raids and offices of Weyland Yutani in Tokyo revealed this was true that Weyland Yutani has also observed that xenomorphs tend to at least initially react within somewhat level of indifference towards synthetics unless they perceive the synthetic life form as a threat to the hive somehow. What circumstances constituted a threat? It seems to vary, and there hasn't been a lot of data. Xenomorphs are intelligent enough to be able to problem solve. So if a synthetic has not created a direct threat to a xenomorph, but it can infer that that synthetic is working with those who might be a direct threat to the xenomorph, the xenomorph might act accordingly. What an interesting query. Now, what, now what sense does the xenomorph have that it'd be able to to determine a synthetic from an organic. The captain nods and says, there is a lot we still do not know about this species. We know that they're highly aggressive and that they exhibit problem-solving intelligence. The queen in particular apparently has an enormous amount of startling intelligence. But we also know there's different variations of the xenomorph life cycle. Mostly we nickname them bugs, xenos. It's real simple when you're a marine. You see one, you absolutely destroy it. You kill it with extreme prejudice immediately. Not the kind of bug juice that I enjoy. 
And the lieutenant laughs at that and says, "A fucking men to that. From the sounds of it, it give you quite the, the stomach burn. Yeah, unfortunately. I think Martha has some first-hand experience with that kind, too. Afraid of fire. Acidic blood. Ability to determine synthetic from organic. This is quite an interesting organism. Right now, my orders are to capture Maitland and to secure and hopefully rescue Dr. Varela. The queen embryo is to be extracted and destroyed. If possible, and I hope you don't take any offense to this, Isaac. At the very least, I have been ordered to save Maitland's head. Should the worst come to pass. Maitland apparently has files that have been stolen and erased. We need to recover what Maitland knows. So that if there is another threat by the children of the two divines, we can learn exactly what the plot was and stop it. I don't want it to come to that. I would rather simply disable Maitland and extract the information. And from there, we'll figure out the rest. Make no mistake, Maitland is a member of the Children of the Two Divines cult. He will not hesitate in any capacity, in any way, no matter how much you might think you are getting through to him. Maitland will do everything he can to kill all of us. We know. Mother, bring us into the first planet, start your scans, and get Fireteam 2 on ready alert. He says that to the lieutenant, and the lieutenant says, aye, aye, captain. What's up, Isaac? Do the planetary scans reveal any subsurface features, or are we getting closer for that? Well, curiously enough, Isaac, as you're looking for those details, Mother, more data continues to come in the closer the Coral Sea draws to one of the first planets. And uh, make me, I might say, make me a heavy machinery check. Okay, I can do that. Yeah, I figured you could do that. Well, let's, let's not uh, get ahead of ourselves, shall we? We'll find out if I can do that. Um, I can do that for two. Two successes. Cool. Um, you know enough about the reactors of these particular class of freighters, Isaac. You've worked on them for <laughs> the many, many months of your life. <laughs> and you've become incredibly familiar with them, being having to maintenance them all the time, especially when people are in hypersleep. They're not great. They're lower. These The reactors on the bison are 
very much like most of Weyland Yutani's old craft are long past their overdue date and have just been overhauled again and again and again. But the curious part is they actually do leave signature radiation spikes behind. And you were seeing mother, mother, the mother 9000 is registering them as typical ambient radiation. But you, with your heavy machinery check, are spotting the telltale signs of a bison class freighter that's moved through the system. You're seeing a little bit of the pattern of a ship that's moved through here angling towards the the farthest planet the one with the super canyon mm-hmm. the one with the super canyon because the super canyon could conceivably offer more protection from the cosmic radiation that would still have deleterious impacts on maitland the other planet is very small and even with the existence of an atmosphere might not necessarily be able to maintain atmospheric shielding with a thin atmosphere like that certainly not so the super canyon would be one of the few places barring subsurface features that would allow maitland to continue operation i wouldn't be on the surface if i had a choice are you saying all of this out loud to yourself isaac yes <laughs> the captain's just watching you work this through and then after a moment, turns towards the helm and says, Helm, set a course for the first planet. Aye, Captain. And Captain glances down and says, Isaac, you and the doctor would be incredibly beneficial to have on this mission, but I'm not going to try to force you to go. Of course, the doctor is easily the most qualified for specialized components of his mission, apparently. I have social camouflage with the eusocial species. I hope you don't have to get that close. We may not even encounter the xenomorph while we're out here. The only one might just be in the chest of that poor kid that's sealed away in the hypersleep chamber. But I am going to be sending in a strike team. The fire team is going to be going down there, and you and the doctor, should you choose, you can stay in the APC with the lieutenant. Sir? What's an APC? He just smiles at you. You're going to love it. Okay. APC is why I got into the Colonial Marines when I was a kid. I wanted to drive one. They start when you're a kid. They certainly call you. I'll go wherever you put me. I just... uh... Do we have any chemical resistant clothing that your folks might be able to wear? I'm going over everything in my head. And if we can deal with the blood first, then perhaps we can deal with the rest of it. The metal composite armor that is capable of stopping bullet rounds has proved barely effectual against the xenomorph (laughs) acidic blood. We have no chemical suits that are going to protect you. Not fully. Not any more than the armor that we already give our Marines. But Doc, you are a civilian, and I'm going to insist you stay in the APC. I will take that into consideration. I'm not going to do anything to get in y'all's way, but if I see someone in trouble, That's I'm able to help. why I want you there, Doc. I don't want you, I'm not worried about you getting in anyone's way. All right. I need you alive so you can keep my people alive. <laughs> 
then I'll do just that. If you wish, he leans on the CIC command console, looks at you from across this glowing hologram. He says, if you wish, Doc, you can continue to operate as a team with TIG. My intention was not to put TIG on the front line either. In fact, I would prefer it if our medical staff was somewhere armored and safe. Well, good luck to you trying to get TIG to go anywhere you TIG don't want to go. <laughs> he and... quirks an eyebrow and says, that may have been true before I drafted them back into service, Doctor. TIG will yeah, go we... where I say they go. Yeah, we're going to talk about that later. But I understand. You don't sound like you do. He says with like a slight <laughs> menace to his voice. <laughs> I, I I understand. We listen. If we do encounter this thing, I'm just saying perhaps we have run our course in dealing with it with Braun. Perhaps there are smarter ways to evade and resist this thing. I'm just thinking. It, it, this isn't a monster, it's an organism, and all organisms follow basic rules of science. There has to be something that I can apply to assist you while I'm in the uh, APC, as it were. He nods and says, it's a little too general for me to be able to offer up any kind of opinion on that, Doctor, but this organism, we've had contact with it for almost the past 70 years, and Men and people from across the spectrum of the human race have tried to interact and study this thing, manipulate it, take advantage of it, pacify it. And I'm going to tell you right now, killing it is the way to deal with it. Oh, I absolutely agree. But the problem to keep the things top secret is you might keep the secret from the right brain. And I was just wondering if it can decipher between organism and a synthetic then perhaps its ways of seeing are similar to that of a shock uh, electrical impulse or something of that nature maybe sorry it's an interesting org organic medical puzzle I'll leave you to the soldier and then I'll he, do the thinking over here he gives you a look as he leans back doc go ahead and make me an observation check ooh <laughs> I don't absolutely suck at this. Uh, I could throw a seven die here. Um, All right, that's going to be two successes. How many? Two. Two? Okay. I, I rolled two sixes. Um, he gives you a look. That is probably similar to the look maybe one of your party members might give if somebody from Wayland yutani said, I just want to study this thing and try to learn a little bit more about it. Like, it's not you, but he looks at you with suspicion suddenly. With two successes, you can stunt that. And if you want to know any more, you can ask a question about what might be behind that look, what his motivation is, uh, that kind of thing. I am going to ask what's behind that look, but I would like to preface it with like putting a comforting hand on the shoulder and go, I have no interest in weaponizing, selling, or profitizing from this thing. I'm simply trying to find 
the best way to protect folks. I got an inkling this might be what took my boy, and I want to make sure it doesn't take nobody else's boy. Um, and to answer your question as to what is behind the look, your instinct tells you he's got a history with this thing. And he might have a history with company trying to take advantage of his people with this thing. You yeah. get the sense the captain has a a a no nonsense murderous impulse to kill every xenomorph that the ship comes across. <laughs> and and your suspicion is is that there there might be like Albright with that second cut there might be a little bit of a drumhead like Salem witch trial style suspicion brewing in this man of anybody who is like showing any kind of interest in the xenomorph you get the impression he's been scarred probably by first-hand experience and the you give him you do say this to him mm -hmm. and he just nods to you but you get the impression immediately that you are now under suspicion by him just for saying what you've said <laughs> all right gonna smile at that and go uh don't you go getting yourself killed. He doesn't respond to you. He stares at you. I says, just keep smiling. That'll be all, Doctor. Captain. Glances over at you, Isaac. Do you have power, uh, power batteries I could use? Power batteries? We have plenty of power batteries. What would you need a power battery for, Isaac? And maybe some salt? And water? Sure we could accommodate you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, just to make sure I'm clear on this. So our mission is to you said extract and destroy this queen embryo. Priority is to destroy the queen embryo. Secondary objective is to capture and recover the data stolen by Maitland. And that may include Question. putting Maitland down. We, as a team, have the choice to decide how we do this. Is that correct? No, that is not correct. I get to decide how you do this. But fire team leader, the lieutenant, is going to be the leader on the ground. She is going to be the one giving the orders. So it's going to be in her hands. You've got something, a case you want to make to it, you can take it up with Lieutenant Batista. She'll hear what you have to say and probably take your suggestions. She's pretty good at that. Okay. I'd I, like I, to hear what you're thinking, though, Martha, if you don't sure. mind. Yes, Captain. Well, what I'm thinking is, if this thing... The only type of life form from what you're telling us that this thing doesn't just immediately want to murder is a synth. And we only have one synthetic person here. So are we expecting to send in non-synthetic people to try to recover this? Because that feels like a really bad idea, to be honest. We're not going to send Isaac in alone, if that's what you're suggesting. Right. No, we're sending in a fire team. Of synths? No, that would be illegal. No, we're sending in a fire team of colonial marines, in which you were going to be a part of. Yeah, 
Martha is not hiding <laughs> what's on her face right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to understand how this makes sense. The good news about being of your rank is you don't have to worry about that. I'll make sense of it. The lieutenant will make sense of it. All you got to do is follow orders. Martha looks clearly unhappy with this. <laughs> okay. Well, with that, Captain doesn't dismiss anybody from the bridge. Instead, he goes, turns his attentions back to the CIC as y'all begin to approach the planet. Uh, Mother is stating that there's about a 30-minute delay as y'all are entering system before you reach... Uh, not orbit, but near where sensor range can actually start detecting more information and data about the planet you're headed towards. Could I use that time? Mm -hmm. What would you like to do? I'd like to synthesize sodium hydroxide. Okay. That, I mean... With the battery might... and, and whatnot. Uh, they might have something like... Yeah, I was going to say they might Rain cleaner have that. is kind of impure of that. Uh -huh. Is a thing they might have. They might have that on um, board. I mean, this isn't like a science ship so i didn't want to assume so in a pinch like there are some protocols that involve batteries etc um um yeah i don't i but... mean if you want to if you want to be funsies about it we can do i mean we just got done talking about how you never get to use any crafting checks so let's do it <laughs> if I you want to make a heavy machinery roll that sounds lovely um because if we're dealing with a strong acid mm -hmm. that corrodes metal we should bring a strong base as a neutralizer I was low-key about to see if there's any sort of vinegar or baking soda or any of the uh, any such Yep, things. so baking soda was my first thought. It's like, yep. a, it's like a nice, gentle base, which by extension means it might not completely uh, neutralize. Uh, but Science! Uh, but you know what's really just terrifyingly high pH to the point we actually have to be pretty careful in how we handle it. Um, and this is just an estimation based on how corrosive they're saying. Uh, uh, four successes, by the way. Um, okay. If, uh, if there are good, I don't, this isn't quite a typical heavy machinery check. <laughs> but I think one of those should probably be for like half the time so we could like make a reasonable amount. Ideally, Eric, I would just like a gear item so that maybe we could like toss it on someone, neutralize acid damage kind of thing mm -hmm. is what I'm looking for as a game mechanic. Just, I uh, remember I made the, uh, little, um, oh, what did we call them on C6? Oh, uh, you, the little heart paddle <laughs> things that you had basically to bring people yeah, back to life if you ever had another I'm Hobbs looking moment. for, like, an individual item to give to the crew of a similar species. Maybe, okay. like, a, a finite number of uses of, like, don't get acid. <laughs> don't get acided on if you get if you get so, a splish. Okay, so like then a spray, like a hose down. Yeah, so there's there's enough data in in the mother system right now to actually give you some feedback of what you can do because what you would discover doing this is the Colonial Marines have an entire research division that has been dedicated to finding out how to repel and contain xenomorph uh, infestations as the Colonial Marines, especially during the Frontier War, were coming into contact with them more and more often. Uh, what you discover is that no known um, manufactured substance has been able to actually degrade or uh, 
you be used as a defense against the xenomorph blood except for in some extreme cases there is a super uh hydrophobic material that has been created that is resistant that some of but is extremely expensive and difficult to create that the uh, colonial marine corps has started to invest in but there's also apparently um there is a fluid that has been used in the past as well that uh that in some instances has been used particularly from according to the files that you have been given the uh the unfortunate stage of gestation known as face hugger some of the specimens were kept in an alkaloid type watered bath that were able to prevent the face huggers from using their own acid blood to break free from the containments that they were in but you don't see basically what you're getting um is that the first stage of contact with the acid there's no preventing the damage but further damage you might be able to this what you're creating might be able to help yeah i mean i'm i'm really looking for like a fast action kind yeah, yeah, of yeah, yeah. like chuck it on obviously you cannot pre you should not preempt it by having a strong base on your body that is also caustic <laughs> it's literally caustic soda yeah like, yeah don't mess it but it can be like you store it uh i think and someone would have to double check me you and you store it anhydrously so you just you have a powder so mm. we could do like a little powder bomb on right, it right of course yeah is is would be the idea yeah. uh yeah so for like damage over time um yeah <laughs> looks like the it has been suggested the xenomorph the xenomorph blood contains a version of either sulfuric or hydrofluoric acid compound uh composition of the two oh, which is uh yeah, I mean that's according that, to the... that is itself. But like, yeah, you know, we're yeah. compound substances, and we produce a reasonably strong hydrochloric acid all up in, in us. our tummies. Yeah, but uh, this one looks like it's so intensely concentrated that, sure enough, you've seen that it has been recorded melting through deck plating in seconds, and that what? Marines who have come in contact with it, uh, it does not go well. And I vaguely so... remember human blood being uh, mildly. Uh... Well, it's it's a, just a touch basic. I, think. I have to go back and double check some time. At one point, the lieutenant does like lean over your shoulder, Isaac, when you're down on the flight deck too, like mixing this stuff together. And lieutenant goes, "The fuck are you doing, Isaac?" Oh, please be careful. This produces chlorine gas. She leans forward and goes, "Oh shit!" Burns my nose. What are you gonna do with that? Uh, hopefully nothing. But <laughs> she looks at you kind of incredulous and says. Yeah, before she moves away without further explanation. <laughs> if it's okay with Isaac, I think uh, Tate would want nothing to do with as much military shit as possible. So it would have offered if you needed a hand, even though she couldn't have maybe helped at all, but would just be like wanted right. to get out of the planning stuff <laughs> because she's not going to be given any input. It's just going to piss her off to be right. uh, referred to as private. So when you stepped away, Tate would have been like, "If you need, do you need a mm -hmm. help?" That would be extremely helpful, and let's say that accounts for the yeah. for the halftime stunt, uh, double hands, light of the load, uh, mm -hmm. and do this uh, little garage science. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, this feels like the stuff I did. Yeah, Tig would kind of just like laugh as Batista like walked away. <laughs> just <laughs> some people don't know about safety equipment. If I could track I down Tig and Martha real quick, uh. We can do. Sam's got a. You have, is there? A, are you? Did you already roll? Yeah, that was the one with like four success. And I don't know. How that was my, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Cool. Cool. Well, yeah, right. you can come find us down down at the flight deck when you're done. 
Yeah, um, Albright's just gonna find the both of you if that's alright. Just go, uh, this sounds like it's gonna be a particularly dangerous one, and I've been saving something for a rainy day. I was hoping never to have to pass it off, and uh, I've had this on my character sheet since the beginning of the game, so I would like to give you both uh, a the, of the vial of the X drug and both a vial of nap relief. Nap relief. Only right. in cases of emergency. You understand? Tig adds that to her stash of now five nap relief. Yes, Captain. Thank you. Nap relief. Injected pain reliever for all strains, stresses, and irritation recommended for use for any during. Uh, yeah, performed to extract and oh oh god, it's referencing it's referencing Prometheus. Yeah, it says recommended for use during self-inflicted cesarean performed to extract unconventional fetus from your womb. One of the most horror body horrifying body horror scenes I've ever seen Jesus. in a sci-fi movie. Um, uh, immediately reduces the patient's stress level to zero. Warning: an overdose of napoline have an intoxicating effect imagine that uh, each overdose beyond the first in the same shift gives a negative one modification to all agility based skills until the end of shift so worst case scenario you pop a nap relief and it will actually drop it will kill your panic level it'll drop your stress to zero and there's an auto doc scene in prometheus you'll know it when you get to that portion of the movie if you don't like body horror for the love of all that is holy skip that scene yeah. it's quite extraordinary <laughs> um all right so, um, unless there's anything else y'all want to do. Nope. I've done enough. Okay. <laughs> In which case, uh, about 45 minutes of making these mixtures, getting to know some of the Marines, um, and getting to know a little bit of Fire Team 2. Fire Team 2 actually looks like the less rambunctious of the two fire teams that are stationed on board uh, the Coral Sea, the first one is just full of cowboys, big muscled people with big fucking guns who like to talk shit and blow stuff up. One of them in particular seems to have a fondness for rocket launchers and loves telling a story about how they took out Xenos with one. Um, the secondary fire team, however, is just a rifle team. Um, a rifle team, it's literally just, it's four riflemen, basically. So a strike team that just goes in with heavy-handed M14 pulse rifles and blankets the place uh <laughs> it, it is absolutely uh one of sam's characters that is being attacked right now um yeah a quick backstory in one of the games that we ran uh sam was like i never get the chance to fire a rocket launcher so i'm gonna use one on these xenos <laughs> and uh even i was it like worked. even though they're at medium range and sam is like yes and i was like okay i didn't ask how big the room was eric I no said you I didn't i was like it's a corridor here we go um all right so um marcia does have more questions about the plan okay uh can we be with Batista? Sure. Yeah, she's currently getting uh, her equipment set up and strapping on body armor, testing okay. it out. So while we're doing that, I'm probably doing the same. I'm just going to say, uh, I know you're the leader of this team, and I respect that. I just want to know a little bit more detail about what the plan is. Are we going in? Uh, um, if we're trying to recover, 
a, a person who has this host in their body and kill the host, uh, kill the thing, but not kill the host. Why are we going in with a strike team? Don't we need to go in with like sur literally surgical precision and take it out? She looks at you and body? says, I, I see what you're saying, Corporal, but honestly, not only is it Maitland we're thinking about, but if Maitland's trafficking in Xenos, there's something else to consider. We've encountered the Children of the Two Divines a couple of times, and these are some pretty nasty people. Got it. So we're sending so this. So the strike team is to protect and get to the target and then got figure it. it out from there. That totally got it. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, but once we get there, is do we have a plan on who's going to try to slice this thing out of Dr. Varela? Shit, not me. You see her eyes open. She goes, no, I think the plan is, is to try to get the entire cryo unit back to the ship and have it done here safely. Oh, God. I was afraid you were going to Yeah, say but that. When, when that inevitably isn't possible. And also, we have a plan. We really want to move this thing onto our ship. She's like, I know we don't want to do it, but if we are trying to save this kid, where else are we going to conduct surgery? I mean, look, if we can do it wherever we're at, then let's do it. But I'm just going to tell you right now, I've heard stories removing a Xeno from somebody. That's, that's not like getting, you know, your appendix out. You know what I mean? Yeah. If we can just... save the kid, that's the priority. Kill the queen Xeno and get the hell out of there and hopefully bring Maitland back with us. But that, keep in mind, Corporal, that our orders could change the moment we get down there. I mean, what if there's civvies that we need to rescue? And that's what happened to us in the last thing. We thought we were going down there to find out what happened to a colony, and we turned out an entire colony of infected came after us. Yeah. So it's going to be fluid for a while, you know? All right. Uh, another question. How trigger happy are all of you talking to the rifle team? <laughs> she smirks and looks over at the fire team and she goes, it's why we chose fire team too. They're a okay. little more restrained. Good. Good. Fire team one is what you do when you don't want to waste ordnance on firing at something from orbit. You send fire team one. You want to do something surgical, you send fire team two. Okay. That's why we need you on the fire team, because we need a tech operator. And we also don't have a combat medic on this team, so hopefully Tig is going to be up for sticking around. I know she's not too happy right now. Uh, I look over at Tig. Where What's Tig you? doing? Uh, with Isaac? Pretending to poke at things that Isaac's working with. Okay. Please do not touch that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not touching anything. I don't know what you're talking about. You are holding your finger four millimeters from the object. That is a little too close to touching for my comfort. I promise I'll touch it. I'm not going to touch it. What if the engine jumps and then it jumps on you? I'm pretty because fast. Gravity. I'm pretty fast. Dick, don't touch Isaac's things. I'm not touching anything. The lieutenant looks back at you with a big smile on her face, Martha, <laughs> and just shakes her head and says, well, at least we have entertainment. This will be, I'm sure, endlessly interesting. Hey, for real though, for a second. She motions you as she squats down to the ground like, like she's trying to tell you a secret. She says, 
I know you know I'm fire team leader, but those are your friends. When we get down there, you gotta be a colonial marine first, okay? Whatever happens. Yeah. Team's gonna be depending on you. Yeah, I hear you. Don't worry. She kind of nudges you with her elbow. She's like, I'm not a typical asshole. I'm a unique kind of asshole. Hmm. But I keep people's lives priority one. And I'll look after your people too, okay? Okay. She pats you on the shoulder. And she goes, hey, also, can I ask you a question? Like uh -huh. a personal question? And just I, between us, and you can't say anything, okay? You can't say a word. I guess. I'm serious, Martha. I'm serious. You can't say a word. Okay. Take like single. <laughs> I can find out for you. No, no, no! Don't, don't ask her. Don't ask her. I, I am. She's gonna get discharged after this whole thing. I can't do anything to it anyway because she's subordinate. But once you know this is over, I don't know. I was thinking, whatever. I honestly don't know, but um. I don't know. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I, I just stupid, stupid question. You see the smile on her face, like she got the answer she wanted. <laughs> hmm. Okay, Lieutenant. Okay, Corporal. About that point, you see the red light in the flight deck begin to flash. And she goes, shit, here we go. She stands up and goes, all right, Marines, line up. We got a briefing coming in. A few moments later, the door opens up and a few of the other officers from the bridge follow the captain into the room. And if this were a movie, you could almost start to hear the drums playing. The dropship theme as the captain comes walking in, heavy boots. Says, all right, everybody line up. I got some new information for everybody. We have a plan. We were able to put something together after Mother got some more data, and it's looking a little dicier than we initially thought. Apparently, Maitland's got an objective that he has initiated, and it's a little more complicated than just taking one thing to somewhere where no one can find him. Here's what we've uncovered. First of all, the planet down below, we have detected, Mother has detected some kind of structure that's subterranean. We don't know the full extent of it, but we have managed to uncover what looks like something similar to what we detected on SB-357 on Murphy's Hope. Now, for those of you who are not there, in Groombridge, in the Groombridge 3, uh, 3994 system, we encountered a Wayland yutani or I'm sorry, a Black Star research facility. Research facility was built on the outskirts of what appeared to be some kind of archaeological dig site in which Maitland claimed he was there to rob when he was still using his cover story. This seems to be something similar to what we discovered there. So I want us all to be on alert, the understanding that we might encounter former UPP operatives on site. You see the proggies. Keep this in mind. They are not UPP. Black Star is a rogue element within the government of the UPP, and the UPP has given us permission to put them down the same way we have given them permission to terminate any members of Project Life Force they come across. 
In this, we have found some measure of friendship. Both sides did not appreciate getting played by the fucking corpse. And you hear one Marine in the back go, fucking A, we didn't. And some high fives like, yeah. And Captain says, unfortunately, that's a secondary target. The Rasmussen has been detected docked with a station that is not currently on our registry. Initial scans in the exterior of the station have it listed as WY03-119. Now, according to our files, this is an unlisted Weyland yutani facility that seems to be in orbit over this planet that we were not able to detect until we got closer. The Rasmussen is currently docked at this station. After assessing the situation, our current orders are to secure the station and find out where Maitland is on board, if possible. If Maitland has gone to ground and is on the surface of the planet, he is not getting off if we have secured that station. We need to find out more. So, our objectives are this. We are to enter that station and secure it, extract any data that we can get off of the mother system, and secure the Rasmussen. Assess the situation, and if we need to go planet side, that's step two. Everybody follow. All right. I want everyone dressed for dinner in 30 minutes. Good luck, everyone. Good hunting. Lieutenant goes, all right, everybody, suit up. Time to go to work. God damn, I love this part. Dinner? Isaac looks thoroughly confused as the Marines begin to get up. Um, fire team one and two are high-fiving each other and you hear some like slanderous remarks being made back and forth about make sure to like drink enough, you know, coffee while you kick your feet up here and watch us go to work and do your job for you. Fire team one kind of throwing shit back at them. Yeah, no problem. You know, we, we, we were owed some downtime since you guys were up here jacking off while we were trying to save an entire full of entire colony full of people. Like the, the just going back and forth as the, the Marines are just having at it. You're getting a glimpse of what your son's life was like, Albright. Yeah. Albright's just going, a whole lot of uh, machismo here. Everybody's <laughs> excited for the fact that we might be in a situation where they can be maimed or murdered, but that's fine. I, I like <laughs> the bravado. Um, Quick thought. Um, yeah. Is there any way Tig would have been able to request like their files on removal of Zeno from host. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That would be she's made had now too. like one very brief encounter with something not quite as big or deadly with Martha and they were just right. the two of them just scrambled to like don't, don't oh that looks bad let's get that off like right. kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think Tig is convinced that this is going to inevitably turn into a field surgery. Um, and wants to be prepared as prepared as she can. So that the, that information is probably going to be made available to you and Doc. Yeah. So the yeah, dropship so isn't leaving in front that. of the 30 minutes. Yeah, that's what she wants to spend the prep time doing. So, Doc, are you going to join her with that? Absolutely. Okay, so the two of you gain access to Mother, and she makes the files available to you thanks to the captain. So, Levine sends the files to data pads and you get to see some of the instances where xenomorph embryos have been removed in 70 percent of the cases the patient was also killed during the extraction um 
apparently much like uh, a lot of the predatorial species, even at just past the larval stage, xenomorph embryos apparently exhibit a survival instinct that is impressive and are aware when they are being removed from a host body. Um, in a couple of instances, the xenomorph embryo even utilized self-injury to inflict acid self-defense mechanisms on both the extraction process and the victim that it was being removed from. Um, it resulted in the death of the xenomorph embryo as well as the victim itself. Um, apparently, the majority of successful surgeries that have been conducted were used by trying to sedate as, as much of like uh, what they've discovered is that no known drug that they have outside of some of the most heavily used. Apparently there are some instances on file that are high, heavily classified, but you do see references that there actually have been some instances where xenomorphs have been rendered docile through chemical means. Um, however, judging from the, the like skimming from the top of the data that you both see, the amount of compounds used to render a xenomorph docile would kill 12 humans. Like it's the, the metabolism of the creature is extraordinary. Um, also the growth cycle that you guys see on here, a chest burster is what they're called at their initial stage, which kind of causes a little bit of your skin to go clammy and cold at just the thought of it. But you see, there have been multiple instances where chest bursters have been documented so long as they can get a ready supply of protein and meats, uh, they can grow at an extraordinary, truly stunning rate. Um, the first known instance apparently was aboard a Weyland yutani cargo vessel that has since been declassified, uh, known as the Nostromo, in which they documented uh, a chest burster going from... Uh, this larval phase to drone, which is one of its full grown phases, uh, in just a matter of hours, like think it's like three days worth of growth tops. Um, Albright is looking for how long does this face hugger stay in the body of a dead host? Uh, apparently, according to the files, the facehugger dies. Uh, are you talking about the facehugger specifically? Uh, oh, or the, when, when it's the, in the chest. Or when it's in the body. Oh, how long does it take for uh, the... I think, are you asking the if the host is dead, does the embryo, embryo stay in Correct. it? Correct. That's what, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the embryo will continue to grow. So long as there is, I mean, the embryo, the embryo will feed off the body. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's existence is threatened when the host dies, but it is not, no, it is in no way you can't, there have been instances where Marines have come across, uh, civilians who were shot and killed in combat zones who then shocked the Marines when a chest burster exploded from their bodies. Uh, apparently some of the agents of dark star would actually leave them. All right, Tick. So. Here's the puzzle. It stays in even when the host is dead. It's a dangerous thing. We'll probably kill the host. So, what are you thinking? You got any ideas? 
what can we learn about the successful surgeries? Uh, the successful surgeries were done in controlled environments. Um, <laughs> yeah. They were done. Uh, there's really, it, uh, from what you are able to read, there was really nothing. There wasn't like a silver bullet to it. It was a careful, successfully, expertly done surgery in which. It good. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. But what okay. you do read is in, in every instance that a embryo was successfully removed from a host, the host had a long recovery period. Mm-hmm. Um, and on at least 50% of the successful cases had to get a synthetically created internal organ to replace something that was permanently damaged. Ain't not the worst thing in the world. No, totally for doable, the, um, but not fun. For the ones that survived, uh, is the damage, uh, is the damage that was left behind, um, uh, what's the word, consistent. Is, is it consistently going after the same organ? Yeah, where does it attach itself? Like, is it in the, like, just an organ? Is it just floating around in there? Is it, like, in the vertebrate, like... Um... I, because Caitlin doesn't remember. <laughs> <don't> remember. <laughs> yeah, me even. Well, it's a chestburster, so it's probably parking like, on uh, the lung. You have to yeah. have trouble breathing at some point, because that's a pretty densely packed part of um, it. Not a lot of torso. Yeah. Attaches itself to a vein gestating in the chest cavity. Okay, Inmore so infants called chest pursuers push and chew through the host's chest, causing severe plain blood loss shock. Rib cage yeah. is destroyed. Yeah, it wraps around okay. the organs in the chest cavity. In the chest cavity. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And it's tied into sense. the vascular, is what we got from the vein. That is. Yeah, they're yikes. very, it's a very. That, that's the yike. Very yeah. sensitive area of the body. <laughs> I mean, clamp it, but. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, there have and also been instances, there are more than a few instances where, again, you are seeing documentation of the aggression of these creatures. Uh, on more than a few instances, the chestburster attacked the surgical mm -hmm. team that was trying to extract it. Mm -hmm. went from a docile state to leaping into the face of one of the doctors. Um, yeah. Okay, Everything so y'all read is horrifying. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> my, my question then is, Tig would be looking at the, at, as much as she can, the instances between failures and successes. Does it seem like the successes have to do with the precision or were there cases of the failures that were in the top tier environments and still fit like was there a, a, a level of luck or randomness about or sporadicness about the successes or does is there like how consistent are these surgeries like is it if not you consistent okay cool okay that's there it. have not been enough success the, the truth is is there have just not been enough opportunities to yeah, successfully yeah. extract mm -hmm. a chest burster from a host. Yeah. Uh, nine times out of 10, the people who were infected found out they were infected the hard way. Yeah. Um, and the other amounts of times were in controlled environments where it was, they were meant to go through the full cycle. You do see that, uh, there is mention that project life force, did experiment with infecting people on purpose to get them to the last stage of gestation just so they could experiment with extracting and mm -hmm. to see how that worked. Um, and it led to an outbreak on one of their research facilities. Did not you go play, well. Play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Uh, while Tig is looking up the successful versus uh, unsuccessful uh, surgeries, 
I think Albright's going to be focusing on how this thing re reacts to different stimuli. Okay. So why don't we do this? Mm -hmm. Because the y'all are getting into the like the the mm -hmm. DNA details yeah. about this. So what yeah. we can we do right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I I hear all of y'all's questions. So what we can do right now is simulate the uh, medical expertise of your two characters by having y'all make a first aid check right now to see Let's how your it. research goes. And if successful, I'll say you glean enough information from all of the prep work y'all are doing so that if the worst should come to pass, or should the best come to pass and you have an opportunity to get rid of this damn thing and save somebody's life, you'll have a bonus to the die rolls. Hell so yeah. whoever wants to take lead on this can take a lead on this, and then I'll treat it as uh, an effect, like a, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, like you're uh, assisting. Uh, I, I have 10 now. For... I also have 10, so it, whoever... Dragging rights everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. I think uh, I don't think I have any. I have the field surgeon talent, but that only comes into play when I'm like actively treating someone who's about to die from a critical injury. So yeah, I don't that'll think that be anything here. That'll I, be handy when there's acid yeah. splash. Yeah. So like, there's no. Yeah, I don't have anything yeah. to, to bonus. So you can take it if you want. Um, but you know what? Because Sam went ahead and actually devoted RP time to trying to come up with a solution for the acid splash. I'm going to give you mark it down on your sheet, Tig. I'm going to give you a plus one bonus that you can use up to three times to help people should they get an acid splash injury. Okay, cool. So plus one die on those rolls. And what were you going to say, Doc? Uh, I was, I, I don't think I have anything other than uh, compassion might let me push this roll, but other There's than There's really that, no traits y'all are going to have here. No, it's no. it's yeah. whatever y'all just... want with 10 dice. It doesn't matter right. who wants to take the point Maybe, on this. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to shut up and roll. Let's no, see, okay, Sam, do it. Wait, yeah. hold on, Sam, what did you here say? You no, 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 no. Keep your mouth. Okay. Um, uh, and you can roll a bonus die because you are using research material brought from previous instances. I mean, you're literally Tony Starking this right now. Just mm -hmm. like, all right, if I got to extract extract this, I'm right. it. That's uh, four successes. Okay, four successes. I will I will bookmark that in the GM brain. So you and Tig Ooh. basically have intense discussions for the next 30 minutes as yeah. Marines around you are grabbing their duffel bags, suiting up. Um, as y'all are having these discussions, you're starting to formulate of like, okay, okay, what you're coming across. Here's the thing that's making this really difficult. A queen embryo, those are almost, there's almost no documented case of a queen embryo being extracted, but you do see there are significant differences between a queen embryo and a standard embryo. Um, queen embryos are exceedingly rare. They're also a, a bit larger. And they come with a little bit more complexity. <laughs> um, what you get is uh, like a baseline of like, what is the best odds of success for this poor kid? While this is happening, Pig, as you're looking at the data pad, an M14 pulse rifle dangles in front of your face. Just gets put down in front of you. And you glance up, you see the LT looking down at you and she goes, you remember how to use one of these, right? Unfortunately. That doesn't go away so easy. Get to the armory and try on the body armor that you might need. I don't know what your size is. All right. I'll um, finish up here and I'll run around and pretend that this is normal and okay. <laughs> she kind of starts <laughs> gathering her stuff. Lieutenant looks at you, Doc, and says, Doc, you're going to be staying in the APC with me. Do you want body armor? Please give it to him anyways. I, if I got to run to get to you, it's just going to slow me down. Put, put it on beforehand. Hey, it's not like this. Uh, what's it called? Xenomorph is What's your size? What's your size? I'm a full XL. All right. I'm going to go get you some. And she. <laughs> 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 T 
Tig's gonna go uh, wrap up kind of their little research look, and then she'll go the and grab herself some body the, armor and some for Reg. The lieutenant squats down next to you as you're looking at the data pad, and for a moment, Doc, it takes you a second before you slowly look up at her to see what she wants, and she goes, hey, so yeah, I'm the fire team leader on this. C congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm telling you this because you seem like a genuinely sweet, good-hearted man who is the type who would throw himself in front of danger to save a life. Uh, it sounds like the profession. That's why I'm going to tell you right now that if you pull any hero shit while we're down there, I will pistol whip your ass into oblivion and drag your unconscious body back to an APC. You will not know what hit you. And I will apologize to you later, but I will do it without hesitation. Good to know. <laughs> claps you on the shoulder and stands up. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> um, all right. You got something you wanted to say real quick? Isaac, before we I don't wanna I don't wanna take up too much time. It just it feels like it would be important and and potentially helpful. Uh I I I would like to see if the Marines will let me go talk to Varela to get inside details on the Rasmussen. Um, yes. Uh, the, the Lieutenant looks at you kind of hesitantly for a moment. She goes, all right, Isaac, I tell you what, do it quickly and say, I gave you permission. I can come talk to me. Don't let the captain find out, okay? And don't tell the captain I said this was okay. I mean, just point him in my direction, and I'll handle it. But, you know, it's not going to go over well if he finds out, so just don't say anything, okay? Can you do that? Yes. That's you on the shoulder. It says, you better go do it fast then. Okay. All right. You trot off. The rest of you are gearing up. We're going to pause right there and go on our 10-minute break. When we come back, we'll be headed over to station WY-03-119. See you then. If you are enjoying this, make sure to check out some of Keytime's other TTRPG podcasts, like our two Monster of the Week actual plays, $2 Creature Feature, and Pest Control. If you want to learn more about Pathfinder 2nd Edition and other TTRPGs, we also have educational videos on our YouTube. Now, back to the show! Welcome back to Beacon, everyone. I hope you had a restful little break. Um, Sam is currently shoveling noodles into their mouth and we're ready. Ah, they're back. Um, Alright, so... <laughs> and they're gone again. <laughs> everyone, as you guys are arriving at the station, everyone's like, wait a minute, have you seen Isaac? Cut to... Um, all right, so we begin the second half with everyone getting settled into their seats on the drop ship. This is not a combat drop so much as it is a combat carryover. Y'all are being bussed to the station. The Coral Sea is going to remain at station keeping um, about a kilometer away from the station itself. It's a short trip over into the lower docking structs on I deck which is going to be the first from last deck of the station itself. When you guys are boarding up under the ship, you're getting a readout of the station of what you guys have been able to see. There's no blueprint. And so this is sort of a situation where the Marines are going to have to get in and get the blueprints to the station on the station. 
Um, it does look like it's a Wayland Utani station, which means there is very likely a mother controlled console. Um, and if nothing else, uh, there has not been any contact established with anybody on board the station. So right now, the LT telling everybody that it is considered a hostile situation as the station has not responded to any hails at all. Um, you got a question, Martha? Uh, I'd like to scan for life signs. Um, I'm not 100% sure. One second. I was just kidding. Hold on one sec, though. I know that we're going to the and... lower docking ring. It does not follow therefrom oh. that we are in an episode of Lower Docks. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm pretty sure. No, this is good for me to know. Okay. Because the, um, the, again, the technology of the Aliens universe is advanced, but it's also a lot more uh, analog than you would see in typical sci-fi. Right. And it's done on purpose. Yeah. Um, life signs uh, doesn't seem to be something that mother can scan for. It's mother can right. track PDT chips and can track uh, the vitals, and uh, but it doesn't look like. Yeah, scanning for life signs isn't something you can actually do. So mm -hmm. mother is only going to be able to detect that there are power fluctuations within the stations where there are some life habitational pods available. But right now, there's no uh, contact with anybody on board the station. Okay. Um, so as y'all are gearing up, that's the situation. Um, Very quickly, just so yeah. I have it in my notes correctly, what rifle was given to me? You were given... You Actually, we should do this right now because you and Martha are both going to be... Well, Martha, I think, already has hers. But, yes. as, but you were basically given the default loadout of a combat medic colonial marine. Because remember, when you made your character, you're retired. So you've got to yeah. keep one piece of equipment. Well, now you're being given the full pack. Okay. Excellent. So, And then the follow-up question for our just basic armor. So Yeah, I'm or... going to give you your stats right okay. now. Okay, phenomenal. Thank you. So this will be very, very important. Um, all right. Thank you. Let's see here. Okay. The basics. Very good. I'm a little slow tonight. Okay. You are hospital core men. So. Oh, okay. You still get the basic run out, in which case. Oh, that makes this easy. So then you are going to get. To give the standard sort field events starting gear. Okay. Um, <laughs> sent me to the gear chapter. One second. If it's the Kevlar Riot Vest, I've got the stats on that. Uh, that's what you're going to be getting, Doc. Okay. You get the Kevlar Riot, Riot Vest. But no, um, Tig is actually getting the full Marine suit up. So that's going to be under the... Here we go. Colonial Marine. You are going to be given... An M41A pulse rifle or 
No, you're not getting. You're not being given a smart gun. <laughs> 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 you're not a smart gunner. Um, you get the M41A pulse rifle, which is the standard issue badass. Um, in particularly useful here. Um, here are the stats. It's very basic. It is weight is one. Gives you a damage bonus of plus, or the bonus to hit with it. You roll plus one die, and the dam the base damage is two. Here's where it gets good, though. It its clip is full of armor piercing rounds, which literally half the armor rating of anything you're shooting at. It has the option to go full auto, which you have some experience with. Oh, and I then, ever. And then, uh, as Hicks pointed out to Ripley, it has an underslung grenade launcher. As Martha oh. has also demonstrated a knowledge of how to use. Uh, you are also going to get your choice. And I think I know which one you're going to pick. You get two G2 electroshock grenades or an M314 motion tracker. Ooh. I think I'm going to take the motion tracker. I knew it. Yeah. So the motion tracker is particularly useful because... Um, Up to long, let's see, extreme range and open terrain, long range and close quarters. It's originally designed for rescue teams. We all know what it is. We've seen <laughs> aliens. Incredibly useful. Um, it does have a power supply role. Um, I'll get to that later. So, um, last thing that you were going to get is M3 personnel armor. This is the shit. This is what turns Marines into goddamn tanks. Your armor rating is going to be six. Ooh. Also has a built-in comm unit, camera headset, shoulder lamp, and a PDT that's built into it as well. Oh. Its weight is one. All right. And as a quick refresher, PDT stands for personal data transmitter, so they know exactly where you are. They can keep track of you, including your vitals, so they oh. can tell if you're about to panic. <laughs> All right. Uh, and Doc, you, did you write down your body armor stuff? Yes, I have a Kevlar riot vest with the armor rating of four. All right, yep, super handy. Uh, I I do think this makes me encumbered <laughs> because I'm so very weak. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty helpful. Um, Isaac, you also have the option of taking the Kevlar body armor if you so choose. Marines would offer that to you. You're muted. You're still muted. Yes, please. I would like to armor my body. It is the only one I've been issued. Okay, cool. Yes, you're being given a Kevlar body armor. Roughly. So, it's bulky. A little awkward, but it's heavy and it will oh protect you. So you get an armor rating of four for that. No grenades. No, you're not given a weapon. It's also assumed that everyone here just doesn't think that you are capable of using one. Everyone here believes that you are a standard Isaac model. Except, except for us. Except for y'all, who very well know that Isaac no longer has an inhibitor chip. Yes, I, I exceed standards. Mm-hmm. So if I could spike an electrostatic grenade like a volleyball, that would be delightful. But today is not the day. Okay, so real quick, Caitlin, um, the, motion, the motion tracker that you've been given, you can use a motion tracker once per turn. Each time you use it, you have to make a power supply roll. So it's very similar to like rolling for supplies in Forbidden Lands, which I can explain 
but uh, in Alien, it's essentially um, rolling for a power supply is rolling a D6. Uh, so you track four cons okay so you track each of the four consumable using a supply rating so the supply rating oh i should give you the supply rating for the the tracker what is the supply rating it might uh why don't i say it doesn't actually give you a supply rating each turn uh the longer the tracker automatically detect blah 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 pings let's see note the tractor will only detect moving objects that is correct detecting motion tractor uh, okay, in which case, I'm going to say um, the, we'll say it's fully charged and has uh, a power rating of six. Okay. So it's fully charged up. Yeah. Uh, so what that does is when you guys, at regular intervals, you need to make a power supply roll. This means rolling a number of stress dice equal to the supply rating up to a maximum of six dice, which is what you've got. And for every uh, facehugger symbol you get, power supply rating is decreased um because this is campaign play i have decided to house rule that anytime you run uh roll a face hugger it's only decreased by one in cinematic play if you rolled three face huggers then your power supply drops by three but we're not spiraling like that because that's for one shots and three shots and high tension and we're all gonna die kind of situations mm -hmm. uh would you what was up martha oh um uh question about how many grenades we have Oh, okay. Uh, oh, you mean in the in the inside the uh, the the pulse rifle? Well, yes, and yes, and can we get more? Because we <laughs> are with a so firing you squad. You can't get more, but you also you follow the rules. Ammunition, the way ammunition works in aliens, is you don't ever run out of ammo unless it's a dramatic moment and you roll a face hugger die when oh, you're okay. shooting the gun. Cool. Yeah. Right. So if you roll it, if you roll a, a stress die, and it comes up face hugger, and you're in the middle of of combat, then it specifically states then... your your ammo goes, your clip runs dry. Got it. Okay. So otherwise, because cool. they, it's it's really elegant. It's a way of making it very cinematic style play, and you don't have to worry, keep track of ammunition. It Great. only happens in dramatic moments. Yeah. Okay. And then does that go for literally uh, all the types of? Uh, that's ammunition. Grenades? That's how ammunition works. Okay. So and we every, can presume, yeah. since two of us have grenade launchers, we can also presume we have uh, each of the, because there's like smoke, flash, and the electroshock grenades. We well, have... The electroshock grenades are, are hand-thrown. The grenades that are that are inserted into the pulse rifle are standard explosive grenades. Oh. Uh, yeah, this... those are specifically designed to be fired from the pulse rifle. Okay, this says the launcher accommodates... A variety of other grenade mm -hmm. types, so you can yeah. do electroshock grenades. But but you you if you're going to do that, you have to. What I'm saying is, is you have to pick that. So if you decide, you can't combo it. Yeah, I see. Okay. So you yeah. Um, so it's high explosive and fragmentation grenades. You can switch it out if you come like if you were to come across an armory on board the station that it could accommodate you, you could switch out your loadout if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Okay, I'll just stick with the standard then. Okay. Cool. All right. And with that, are we feeling good? Everybody equipped up? Yeah. Great. All right. I'm ready to roll. It's the it's the subtle hum of the engines. You are all you are very familiar with it. In a smaller craft like the dropship, it's been a hot minute for you, Tig. 
but you remember this part so well as you clamp yourself down into the dropship seats and you're sitting in the back with a couple of the Marines. Um, a few of them are just kind of nodding to you. One of them, um, another private, she looks across the way at you and just gives you a nod, says, looks, she has like short black hair. Um, looks like she had uh, a tattoo on the side of her face removed, uh, but she still has some earrings in. She just kind of looks at you and nods and goes, or they dragged you back in. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, you never know. If things shit go sideways, it'll be a short, short tour of duty. Well, we'll never know till we get through it, huh? Don't worry, I'll make sure you live long enough to suffer through everything you've got to go through now that you're back in. Hey, that, 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 that's my job. She kind of knocks on her med kit. <laughs> <laughs> um, the guy next to her looks like he's an older gentleman, like he's been in the Corps for a while. Either that or he enlisted a little bit later. Um... But he kind of, uh, you see him just reach down and he passes her a stick of gum and she goes, my breath stink? And he goes, it always fucking stinks. Take it, Buchanan. She takes it. Offers you a stick of gum. Anybody else who wants one? Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Um, if you had any stress, reduce the stress by one point. <laughs> As you start chewing this stick of gum. Did you, what was the name you said? McGannon? Oh, the woman's name is Private Buchanan. You can't. I'm gonna write down. The guy that handed the stick of gum, his name is Private Kane, but it's spelled differently. It's spelled C A Y N E. Um, there's also Private Korea. And Corporal Macron. Macron would be the appropriate way of saying it. And then, of course, you have your LT, who's seated up at the front with the pilot. Um. Pilot's name, there's two pilots up at the front, Corporal Wynn and Corporal Caldera. They are flying this plane. Um, the LT is not in her seat. She's leaning up and looking out uh, the front cockpit windows. You guys are approaching the station. The station itself is slightly off axis and looks like it has a ring going around a centrifuge, like a, or rather the centrifuge itself. It's kind of like a spike in space with a ring going around it. It looks like it's quite large, multiple level, probably about the same size as Beacon, but doesn't look like it accommodates as much. Everything about it looks like it's a research station of some kind, judging by the habs that are located on it. It does not look uh, as rough as Beacon does. Beacon basically looks like a big tower floating in space. It is essentially a truck stop. This looks like an advanced research facility of some kind, well upkept. And as you guys are getting closer, you can see the Weyland Yutani logo spray painted on the outside of the hull. You hear the LT saying, Yeah, Angelus towards the. I guess. Fuck, it looks like the docking clamps have been damaged or something. Oh shit, there's the Rasmussen right there. And she points. Sure enough, you see the Rasmussen on the other side of one of the docking clamps docked station. She says, all right, bring us in underneath. Put us into the airlock. J-26, that one there. She points. And you see at the very, very bottom, dropship begins to slowly creep up as it switches to maneuvering thrusters. As it starts like maneuvering closer and closer. A great shadow passes over the cockpit and the whole ship just goes into red lights glowing from the inside as the red sun is blocked out from this massive station that you guys are currently floating under. 
And a few seconds later, just <laughs> there's a jolt to the drop ship. And you hear <laughs> Corporal Caldera at the pilot seat. She turns and looks at the co-pilot and goes, we got a seal on the door trying to access. There's no power to the door. I can't open it from this side. Lieutenant goes, looks like we're cutting our way through. Breaching time. She moves over and stops, looks down at you, Martha, and says, Corporal, you want to do us the honors? I know you like this shit. Of course. All right, everybody and... settle up and fall in behind Martha. Step up to the door. Everyone takes the plates off, starts saddling up. You all hear the clicking sounds of ammunition being loaded into guns, guns being readied and stuff like that, body armor being strapped in. The Marines begin to file in. Um, as everyone else starts to file in too, the Lieutenant purposely reaches out and gently grabs the arm of Isaac and the doctor and gently pulls y'all to the back of the row. She says, y'all look like you don't know where you belong just yet, so let me show you. And she steps you to the very back of the line behind the rest <laughs> of the Marines. And then she calls out to you, Tick, and says, are you staying here or are you going to go in with the team? I'm not letting Martha go in alone. All right. Um, is this a com tech? Uh, yep. This is a com tech check, yeah. Um, this is to see if you can gain access to the computer itself. Okay. So far, I see one. Great, great. And then I have to reroll a few. Still haven't found my giant thing of d6s <laughs> <laughs> two two success two successes all right so martha what you learn is that uh, the mother system on board the station is also a mother 9000 it looks like it's an advanced mother um uh, ai system but mm -hmm. power on the station looks like it's mostly offline as you try to access it you're not getting access denied you're getting t timeouts on trying to access the door Huh. Um, every now and then you'll see a power spike, but it looks like the power is fighting to come back on. And about that moment, instinctively, you can, you did get an extra success. So you can stunt it. You can get a plus one on later rolls. You don't need to overcome this door ever again is another option. You can do it in half the time, unexpected information, hide your tracks or show off. What would you like to do? Oh, unexpected information is always really tempting. Yeah, everyone loves that one. I'm going to go with that. Unexpected information. Um, the power is uh, apparently the power. You're getting signs from the the energy that is coming through this door. But the power, it's like a, it's like the 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 battery is trying to turn itself on, over and over again. Like the lights are, someone's trying the light switch to like turn on the power and nothing is happening. So it's rebooting again and again and again because you're getting these small spikes. Mm. And so, apparently, it oh, good, can't. Good. Yeah, the door can't. The door's not getting any power. You're gonna have to force the door. So the unexpected information is that it seems like someone's doing that. Someone's trying to flick the power on. Something, something on the station is currently trying to reboot the power. Okay. But it's not clear who. Um, I would say your instinct, being a contact checker like yourself, being a Marine that literally specializes in this, your instinct is mother might be trying to get the power back online. Hmm. Why she can't is kind of up in the air. Mother may not even be online or she may be on emergency power. But what you are what you basically learn, Martha, is on the other side of this door, it's going to be dark. Okay. Uh, I give... Uh, do we... Sorry, do we have like night vision or anything? You have shoulder else? lamps. Shoulder lamps, okay. 
flashlights. Okay. I'll be like, ready your torches. We're probably not going to have lights inside. On Just on your notification, you hear the private say, you heard the corporal, and each one of the fire team begins to turn on their shoulder lamps. Lights up. Don't shine that fucking thing in my face, Coria. All right. Okay, so now I try to open the door. Um, you're going to have to try to force the door, and I think you have equipment for that, don't you? I do, and I have uh, the skill for it, thanks. The heavy machinery check, Isaac. I think. Yeah. yeah. All right. Isaac taught me. Yeah. So okay, go ahead and so... breach the door. That... Okay, it's a smaller roll, but it, it's still a roll. All right. Maybe I should have gotten yeah. that plus one. <laughs> <laughs> one success. <sighs> the door kind of sh- sh- kind of just shutters for a second and then <laughs> as the door opens you do indeed see darkness on the other side and flickering lights like the power is trying to come back on and Martha since you're up at the front the moment the door opens one of the marines behind you Private Kane has a gun ready to fire over your shoulder you've seen these kind of breaching actions before and you've heard of plenty of Marines who thought they were doing a solid to their person who was breaching the door and lost their fucking hearing because of this kind of cowboy bullshit. Um, Kane holds the, the pulse rifle at the ready, but like you, recoils when the door opens as the smell of rot and death hits you right in the face. It smells like the inside of a morgue it has lost its refrigeration and intense summer heat. And it hits you dead in the face. Like, rolls into the dropship. And you hear one of the Marines behind you just going, like he's going to lose it. Isaac, you see everyone reacting. And you detect that there is something pungent in the air just from the thickness. Like there's a moisture of some kind. But you just hear the lieutenant in the back go, all right, come on. We've been on the front lines. We've smelled that shit before. Let's go. You throw up in this. You throw up. <laughs> you throw up in Caldera's dropship. You know she's going to make you clean it up. Door goes. Forces open. And you see. The first thing you see as you the doors are forced open, Martha, is in front of you. It looks like there is a six foot long uh tank of compressed air that's just laying on the ground. It looks dented. Like it's been removed or knocked away from uh, maybe it's holding area. The lights in the room are flickering. The corridor in front of you is sort of octagonal shaped, very similar, you know, as we typically see in the alien universe. The walls are white, like pristine, clean, white, uh, colored like, uh, like NASA white with pipes and data readouts and everything all flickering, but the power is struggling to come back on. And you can hear in the distance this <laughs> over and over again. It echoes down the hallway. It almost sounds like the station is breathing. Okay. All right, stepping in front of you, Private Buchanan. After Private Buchanan comes Private Kane. And one by one, they move into positions on the side of the hallway, shining their shoulder lamps down with guns out. 
they creep into the main corridor. Um, as they move past the initial hall, there's a wider area where you can see uh, a room that kind of reminds you a little bit of Beacon's airlock. This is sort of a more bulbous room, circular, and you can see alcoves where EV suits are kept. They look quite advanced. They don't look everything about this. This is what it's like. And those of you who are from Beacon Station are noticing how uh, up-to-date everything is. The EV suits look quite comfortable and not bulky at all. Very much more in sync with like um, like the, the EV suits you'd see on Star Trek. They're a little more well-form-fitted. The helmets are small. They must be very easy to move in. Not like the big hulking space suits that people on Beacon have to wear. Um, and But again, you see the power in here. A couple of the data readouts. Um, this, there's this black screen that's glossy and fits perfectly up against the wall, like completely flush. Again, giving this entire place this very... It's like, y'all are used to working at a machine shop, and this looks like the inside of an Apple store. You kind of move into this space, and you see this black screen on the wall that just says standing by. And then the power fluctuates. It says rebooting, standing by. And it fluctuates again. The door that leads out of this room is open right now. And the smell intensifies. Is uh, the room clear from what we can tell so far? Yeah, you don't and, see anybody in, in here. Yeah, like people or No people in here, yeah. <laughs> you don't see anybody in this airlock. Okay. That, that uh, what did you say? It, like a canister? Uh, what oh, did you right. say it was? Oh, it looked like an air tank, uh, some kind of compressed oxygen tank, perhaps. You're not sure what was inside of it. But it does not look like it is supposed to be where it is currently? No, it's laying on the ground. There's a dent in it. It looks like it came loose from the wall. May have happened, actually, when you were breaching the door. It's hard to say. Oh, okay. Um, I, if we can, like, um, once we enter the room and we've, like, checked it, visually checked it, mm -hmm. and have some assurance that there's no one in here, I'd like to just get them someone to cover me so I can try to get onto a computer and check what's going on with mother. Okay. Do we, do you still hear us, Eric? We don't yep. see you anymore. Okay. Oh, oh, did I go dark? <laughs> you turned into Elgato. <laughs> yeah, sometimes sometimes uh Video Ninja is just like, you know, this was fun, but I think I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Elgato is like your alter ego now. Every now and then. Every Elgato. now and then. If we could just change it to say mother, it'd fit the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll be great. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Let's see if I can't get there. You are. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't like the virtual cam. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So, yeah, you see, um, moving into this room, uh, flickering lights. It's very, very dark in here. Um, but moving up with you, Martha, is one of the Marines, Kane, who's like glancing about, and just like checking the corners and making sure everything is stable but it doesn't you can't see anything immediately if you guys want to make observation checks yeah with the lights that you have on your shoulder it's going to cancel out the penalties you guys would get does that include me and isaac uh no you and isaac are in the very back you're actually not inside the corridor yet okay that's what i thought yeah Ugh. i think i my mind is on mother so i don't I don't see anything. Okay. Mind on your mother and your mother and your... <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing from Tega. <laughs> nothing. Okay. 
right, in that case, as you move a little further into the corridor, what you do see is immediately, uh, Tig, as you glance down to your left, you see what looks like signs, like papers, kind of sprung out, slung out all over the floor. And it looks like there's wind moving through here because you can see like the corner of one of the pages kind of gently tapping and like rolling on the side of the floor. You don't see anything else. This room is circular with a square center. Looks like a, like a center column, but it's square. And you can tell just from looking at this that this is the central hub elevator, the lift. Very similar to how Beacon has its station sent up. There's probably a central artery that leads all the way up to the very top of the station. This is likely the access point. You can tell that the just from looking at it that it has no power right now. On the walls, you all see the Weyland Utani logo, name of the station, which is just the serial number. But you also see um, in quotes, like on a plaque denoting where you are, it's called the boiler room, also known as engineering. The papers, are they near me? Like, mm -hmm. that... yeah, they're on the ground. So I think Tig just got her rifle up, but she's just going to kind of like crouch down and like angle, like rifle still up. I like up, flick down. She uh, like, she kind of does. And just what's on it. Uh, you glance at it and start reading some of the printouts. Um, a lot of it just lacks context. You're seeing a lot of chatter. Looks like uh, some of it are station logs. Um, you also see some like maintenance reports and things of like that needs to be maintenance. Uh, this apparently belonged to the engineering deck where you are, but you don't see anything in particular. Okay, just see what they were. Yeah, like they probably came from this area then. Mm -hmm. Looks mm -hmm. like they were probably belonging to this deck. What would you all like to do? If if we've yeah we've done our observation. <laughs> No mm -hmm. anything. You see the center column, there's two doors to the left and right. There's another console to your left, but it looks like it is not operational. That's where I'm going. I want to check that out. Okay, you move over to the mother console. The Marines take up position next to you. Okay. And one of them, you just hear one of them say, fuck, where's that coming from? Yeah, the other Marine lifts her hands up and starts trying to look for maybe uh, some of the life support systems that circulate air in here. She goes, yeah, I don't I... feel anything on. Can I see with that paper lift? Can I try uh, to gauge what direction that came from? Um, yeah, you're not really able on the observation check that you made. You're not really able to tell okay, where the well, where the airflow is coming from. Um, okay, Martha, you move over to the mother system, and sure enough, it looks like there's not enough power coming through here. Um, also, you can tell this is a hot, this looks like it has an emergency uh, sort of like a, a manual interactive keyboard, but. Uh, primarily functions the way the mother does on board the Coral Sea through holographic and vocal interface. It's a highly advanced unit, but this one looks like it is currently struggling to have power. Interesting. Um, I'm going to try something. I have no idea if this is even possible here, but I'd like to just give it a vocal command and say, mother, divert all power to this console and reboot typically that should have worked you likely would have been asked for an access code or some kind of employee identification or you would have been able to override it using a colonial marine command codes assuming Wayland yutani is following un protocol mm -hmm. but uh, in this case nothing happens 
Okay. Okay. So I know it's something that should work, but it didn't this time. Okay. At that point, the Doc and Isaac are stepping onto the station. Um, and Do they all get to you, roll? <laughs> yeah, all of y'all hear. All of y'all hear in your ears, in your headsets. You hear the lieutenant going, "All right, everybody, I have monitors up, and I see everything you see. Priority one is we're going to try to locate the Rasmussen, but also, any chance you get, see if you can find out where the fuck everyone is. Rasmussen should be one deck above you. No, scratch that. Fuck, I was having blueprints. Looks like it might be two decks above you. You're not going to have any power, so you're going to have to do this manually. I don't think the lift is going to work. Martha, let me know if you find out what's the deal with the power. Right now, according to what I'm seeing, you guys are in main engineering. Uh, yes, ma'am. So far, I'm just getting that there's some type of power fluctuation and also just very low power there's just not enough power for the system to reboot itself would it be a problem with the reactor do we have anybody who can figure a reactor out i look around at the team you see a couple of the marines looking at each other but through the shoulders of a few of the marines stepping into the room uh right behind dr albright you see isaac <laughs> step that's, through that's the face i was looking for really <laughs> I say that out loud too. <laughs> All right. Oh. All right. Yes, I heard something about power. It is a little dark in here. I wasn't sure if that might just be Wayland Yutani aesthetic. <laughs> well, um, we'd like to get that aesthetic uh, changed. <laughs> so we're probably going to need the reactor to be rebooted. Why don't I take a look at it and see what we can do? There are three doors in this level. Oh, God. Um, there's a door to the north and a door to the east and west. You guys came out of the door to the south. That is the airlock that you came in through. So think of it just like a standard cross. Mm -hmm. The center of that cross is the lift that is currently non-operational. It would take you up to whatever deck you need to go into. Isaac, from what you can tell, because the station is properly labeled... Um, mm -hmm. All three of those rooms apparently are where the reactor cells are being kept and where engineering would probably be interacting with them. Okay. Three different levels, three reactors. Not three levels, but three rooms, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. that, okay, okay. All right, um, then I will check uh, behind door number one, which should yield a goat, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> the door, you have to force the door. Once again, you you see Isaac barehanded just push this door open. Just but take, takes there immediately to like cover okay. just in case. Yeah, Marines are also kind of backing it up. Oh um, yes, absolutely. Tig, your yeah. motion tracker is just click, 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 not making any other noise. Um, Isaac, when this door opens, you see another bulbous room, much like the one you just left in the airlock. Um, this one, however, has a bunch of uh, environmental suits specifically for radiation. Um, there is also a, uh, working on auxiliary power, you see 
um, the backup generator that monitors radiation levels near the fusion reactors down here. And they're all within normal parameters. Doesn't look like the, the, the reactors have spiked at all. Doesn't look like they're having any kind of coolant issues. And despite the fact that they're having issues bringing power online, it looks like they're all functioning and that they haven't had any damage. Right, then the station was originally designed for a deep space assignment, most likely given that they were uh, preparing for presumably cosmic radiation protocols. And as we would expect from this kind of star, that isn't the source of the problem. Something else. Maybe with the controller? I was going to check door number two, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to check door number three now. Why is that, Isaac? <laughs> oh, because it's a Monty hallway. <laughs> I don't get it. That was Martha. Martha. <laughs> it is supposed to be statistically unintuitive to humans. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, so as you move over to the main door that leads into the power cell, was that where you were headed? Were you heading into the reactor itself? The next, because there is a door in here that leads into the reactor complex. Uh, I was just going directly. So I went, uh, we came from south. I went west first. I'm going east now. Okay, so you're going to leave this room and head back to the other room that's on the other side of the uh, the level and check out that reactor. That was next. my understanding. Okay. Unless there is a through way from no, here not. of any interest. Yeah, so. No, it looks like the next door inside this room actually takes you into the reactor room. Um, when you go across the way, you round... Uh, you round the the lift and move back into the other in the opposite opposite direction. Um, you have to force the door on that one too, and it's very similar. When you enter this room, you see um, that the reactors are currently offline, but that there is no radiation leakage. The auxiliary backup is showing that the the reactor is still uh, contained. It still seems to be safe. The power is off. What's wrong with the auxiliary backup? Why didn't it go off? You're not sure. It's not showing where why. The auxiliary, the auxiliary power, for some reason, is not functioning at the moment. So there's no backup power on the station. It seems like Mother is trying to access it. It's what you mm -hmm. get the impression, which might mean that Mother is still active somewhere on the station. Right, which the power cycling suggested. So it could be something like not the global controller of the station, which is Mother, but the more local power controller might be on the fritz or disabled. Uh, when we force the door open, does the door close under its own weight or does it stay open once forced? Uh, it stays open once it's forced. Good to know. Thank you. Mm -hmm. What would you uh, like to do? Proceed to the reactor. This one should apparently have a bunch of money. <laughs> so when you get to the when you get inside the reactor itself, um, the door opens up, and this door is windowed. So the moment you open it up, you can actually see the inside of the reactor as you're as you're entering. And what it looks like is uh, the reactor has been powered down. It looks like it went into uh, standby, which you would know typically happens when a reactor has. Uh, it's more like a safety shutoff. Like it, it killed its own power, basically, for whatever safety reason. There's a third. The main reactor is door number two, which is the one to the north you have yet to go into. 
But these auxiliary backup reactors seem like they are also in standby mode. Okay. No answers yet. Real quick question. Do we have a, a, a source of the smell? Not, Not yet. yet. No, no duck. Not yet. Just that it smells like death in here. It is pretty difficult to deal with. Actually, thank you for reminding me. Everyone gains one point of stress except for Isaac, of course. Mm. All right. Would it be po oh, What's up? Oh, oh, sorry. I was just going to ask, would it be possible to try and like follow your nose as it were? <laughs> Not in here, no. Okay. This entire, I mean, it's a contained area and the entire place is saturated. It's actually hard to tell where it's coming from. Gotcha. It's everywhere. Um, Isaac, the door to the north that's behind the the behind the lift is slightly open when you move over to it. Could Isaac fit through? They're um, they're on the smaller side. You could you could put if you if you push the door a little bit, you'll be able to fit through just fine. But if I didn't do anything to the door, I you couldn't, couldn't make your way through. No, Maitland was bigger than I am. Um, Maitland, no, Maitland's actually a little bit smaller than you. Oh, wow. Not okay. quite as bulky. A small dude. Well, fair enough. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I will communicate that and its, uh, implication. Okay. Down the, down the line. I, I understand you're covering me for my safety, but it is unusual to have this many firearms pointed at me while I'm working. LT says, we got your back, Isaac. Just go ahead and try the door. Isaac tries the door as they remember the, the, the when there was a knife in their back. Yeah. <laughs> and they move on. You pull the door and you hear a screeching sound as it kind of you making you realize the door actually may have suffered some kind of damage. And as you pull push the door a little bit, you kind of move it. Isaac, you see in the lamplight on your shoulder as you pull the door a little bit, there is a hand that's laying on the ground. Oh, I think it. I found the death. See, it looks like it's um, a very dark, blackened pool of blood that it's laying in. Yes. Decidedly the death. As you pull the door a little bit more and kind of inch in and look, Glancing inside, uh, you realize the hand is attached to an arm that is attached to nothing else. There looks like there's a smattering of blood all over the ground. Um, and there looks like there are handprints of blood on the walls. Same hand? No, it looks like it's another hand. Looks like it might belong to the other hand. Uh, you also see what look like uh, small gratings in the ceiling, as you glance up at it and shine the light into it, the ducts up there, the grating has been torn apart and it is open and just disappears into darkness. Hmm. Could, does that look like sturdy grit? Is that something maybe, I, I Isaac looked back over their shoulder to Tig as if sizing her up and looking to the grate. I know I could I could mess up a grate, um, but Maitland is is uh, built diff. Um, um, more yeah. more like, do I think someone like Maitland or like Tate could do that, or is this Maitland, more in keeping with their um, XX one two one? 
yeah, it's it's possible Maitland could have done that. Um, you saw Maitland being a synthetic exhibited similar strength to what you're capable of. Maitland literally picked up O'Donnell yeah. and just yeah. like a Body. doll. That's true. Um, but uh, Sleeper it is a bit of a push because, uh, Isaac, it's kind of difficult to tell because one of the things you're observing is the grating itself. It looks like it's partially, it looks like it's some kind of access tunnel probably for maintenance access, getting into the internal workings of, the, I mean, this is the reactor, so it makes sense that you would have an access tunnel here, also for ventilation. But what you notice is the grating itself, it doesn't look like it was pushed or knocked off of the wall. What you're seeing is metal tear. Oh. And it looks like the, the inside has been kind of pushed open. Outwards, like something came out through the grate. Okay. Um, Difficult to spot more. If you want to make an observation check, you can see if you spot any more. But at this point, the LT starts to push you of like, oh, actually, you know what? You don't have to because the LT can roll her observation because she's watching. She's seeing everything you see. Oh, I see. My um, observation check isn't good enough for you just because it's really bad. She is also going to gain a point of stress. All right. So let's see what she sees. Oh, she says, uh, Isaac, can you take two steps back? and just angle yourself directly towards that grate. Just watch the hand. Um, y yes, of course. Okay, you take a couple of steps back. You're not really seeing what she's seeing, but you hear her say something in Spanish. <laughs> As uh, she apparently, de what? She apparently spots something. You're pretty sure you heard in the, the muffled and the muffled static of hijole. As you, <laughs> um, as you wait for her and you all hear on the comms you go acid damage on the grate interesting that implies injury and also that it was yeah. here that's about a week ago it's a Weyland yutani research facility we got to assume we got xenos on the station doctor xenos are you still plural? curious let's treat it like plural just in case copy that we've dealt with plural before it's fine we can we got this probably and again tig as you're saying that all you hear is just the ambient clicking <laughs> of your motion tracker nothing nothing popping up yet and she's just kind of in constant scanning that's kind of what she's just to, to help out okay She's a little out of practice. She's a little out of practice with the... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's mm -hmm. doing what she can. Okay. One of the... Uh, if you guys move into the room, um, you'll see the hand and the blood. The, the blood has turned blackened, so this has been here a hot minute. Um, as you move over to the door, though, Isaac, you see that the reactor has uh, shuttered. It's completely shut down. Main reactor. And it's gone into standby. Go ahead and make me a heavy machinery check. See what you can glean from this. Tell me what you get. I get an success. Okay. On the other side of this window, Isaac, you can see these two great columns flanked by two smaller columns. These fusion reactors look eerily like sleeping giants with flickering strobe lights behind them. Just these towering columns of darkness in front of you. 
you can see the offline lights on as you're glancing over it and kind of getting a sense of what happened you're trying to figure out what triggered the shutdown it's possible it was done on purpose but another reason why it might have shut down is if the if the reactor had gone past a maintenance cycle or was in an emergency mode of some kind it would have sprung the shutdown sequence which not even mother could reboot unless it was done manually by a human or a synthetic it's part of the safety system in case the uh, in case the reactor is in danger of spiking okay um how long that you don't know fair you would need you would need mother to tell you that and right now she doesn't have any power um how are the once someone arrives mm -hmm. how does one do such maintenance cycles such that it would be like it's all right the cavalry is here and we do maintenance um so in order to reboot the reactor you are going to need to get inside manually and start a reboot sequence which you can do um through a lot of the analog controls on the reactor itself oh on okay good there was something I, I thought I heard you say in at one point and starting a reactor from inside the reactor. Um, there are hazmat suits in here, but you're seeing that the, the fusion reactor is not registering any radiation leakage. Nobody here no. looks like they're in danger from the fusion reactors it's, at the moment. Okay. Well, I will get to that as uh, others examine. Well, okay. That. What do the rest of y'all want to do? One of the Marines, I'm going to say one of the Marines is going to stick with you, Isaac. We'll say uh, Private Buchanan's going to stick next to you. Hello. She just nods and keeps looking around. You, she looks visibly nervous. You look nervous. Fine. I know people who say that when they're not fine. Fucking fine, she says, kind of like with a bite in her tone. Just fix with this fucking reactor so we can get some lights already. All right, Marines, you hear the Lieutenant in your ears. Everyone just stick together for now. We're not trying to do anything until we get the power back online, but we need to assume that we're gonna have to move fast because if the power goes up, it's gonna cue Maitland that we're here. He's still lingering. Stand by. A few moments later, she comes back on the comms and says, we're going to detach from the station and keep in steady orbit. We'll lock up the airlock behind you guys. We're not going to be leaving you, but I'm going to make sure that Rasmussen cannot flee. If the power comes online and he tries to get inside that ship. What'd you got, Caitlin? Oh, I was just going to say I had a direction of course of action if, okay what's up but if the lieutenant has more to say i, I do not want to interrupt okay. she's basically just telling you that uh the dropship is going to detach from the station and go beyond station keeping guard the rasmussen to make sure it can't rabbit okay cool um then tig's gonna kind of move in past the uh viscera and to the grate to see if she can see what the lieutenant saw of the acid damage uh you do you see what looks like clear signs that the metal was damaged heavily by some kind of corrosive substance you can see the porous implants of droplets all over the edges mm -hmm. of the the opening itself so she's had one very brief encounter with like the acid blood in mm -hmm. the past and it was just a small amount 
but is there any way she could gauge like this versus that like are we dealing with something more corrosive is it about the same like if she, is there any just like by seeing the damage is there anything that she could do to like compare all, them all you can note is that it seems to match exactly what you read that okay. the xenomorph blood has the capacity to melt mm -hmm. through most metals is it a, like was there a large amount here or is this just like got nicked and a spatter like you're not sure you don't see any that's the thing is you don't see any outside in the room there doesn't look yeah. like there's any the, the corrosive, the sorry the, this the size of the corros corrosion and not not so much the blood itself i'm sure that's not here but like the the size of the corrosive that's hard to tell the grating yeah. looks like it's been forced but you can okay. see that there's been damaged by acid it's possible it was damaged by acid weakened and then forced okay cool. it's hard to say cool yeah takes just looking over there and then scanning with the motion okay it's eerily quiet. You just hear the clicking of the motion sensor. Nothing on the station is moving. What's um, that up, Albright? You looked like you wanted to say something. Yeah, I was just like, um, can can the doc kind of just look around to see if anything was missed? Uh, right now, he's just staying in the back of the cut. So it just, yeah. didn't, just to be useful, he's just like looking at every panel. Every... Albright, roll medical. Roll your first aid. Ooh. I'd also like to just cover the doc, like be yeah. by his side and okay. helping just protect him. Okay. Holy crap. Uh, that is another four successes. Dang. Four that, successes. Sorry, sorry, that's five successes. Five successes. Doc, you move into the room. You feel Martha nearby. Her gun out. She's just angling at the door. The couple of Marines are just kind of looking around. Everyone's keeping chatter to zero. Um, you look down at the arm. It has been, it is not a clean cut. That has been torn from somebody. You glance over to the wall and you see the bloody handprints. And what you note is there's not enough blood on the handprint to cause any kind of drop, like drippage. It just looks like it was, you glance back towards the door that you guys all came through, remembering that Isaac found it slightly ajar. And you note there's no body which causes you to glance up towards the grating. And you start to imagine what must have happened here. You picture someone probably ran into this room to get away from something. The door didn't close fast enough and it got inside. Whoever it was probably left through the grate what was left of them. You notice there's no other blood except for the expenditure of gore that's all over the floor, which tells you that whoever this arm belonged to didn't stay in this room long enough to bleed all of their blood out. They were probably still alive when they left the room. Which means there might be more evidence of what happened here inside that grating. Whether or not you can bring yourself to look into that dark, small corridor, that's up for you. But you begin to realize someone met a terribly violent end in this room. And they left. Probably not against, not by their own accord. <clears throat> Marines. Everyone uh, looks at you immediately when you speak up. You've got everyone's attention. I was told no hero shit. So I'm just going to take you through this really quickly here. That arm. <laughs> there's not enough blood here to encompass an entire human body. So I'm assuming that the rest of our unfortunate friend may be in that grate. No hero shit, so please don't hit me with a gun. 
dead silence. The mer- how, tall, you hear- how high up is the grate? Um, you, if you stand up onto the console that the wall that it's attached to the wall, you can look inside. If Martha's near Doc, right? Yeah. Yeah. Spot me, she says. She'll reluctantly <laughs> climb up. Deep oh. sigh from Martha, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> you just continue to hear the clicks of your motion tracker mm-hmm. as yes. you start to raise yourself up towards the grate itself. Um, dead silence. Um, you, Martha, you help Tig up. Tig, you get your feet on the edge of the uh, computer console. You feel yourself pressing down on some of the manual buttons. Um, and you see it's about a little above eye level. You're going to have to like literally put your fingers around and kind of pull yourself up and look inside. Motion tracker first. <laughs> Completely nothing is moving inside that much, you know. Yeah, light. Make sure the sh- light sh- uh, shoulder with the light on it lifts first, and she's gonna kind of make me a heavy it. machinery check, if you would, please, Isaac. Of course. Oh, this could. Yep. Do a dance uh, if you don't like this. I don't like this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> stress. I got three successes. Um, for uh. Have have fun when the lights come back up. Take this. Oh, this is delighted. Delighted. Um, it's a horror. It's a horror story. I have to go look. Are you kidding me? <laughs> gotta go in the basement. So, uh, you can with with three successes. You get two stunts on that. Mm-hmm. Plus one later to a related roll. Don't need to roll again for the exact situation, which is booting up the reactor. Half the time as usual. Break it permanently. You act quietly. You show off. Uh, oh, I don't. I don't get unexpected information. That's unfortunate. Not for um, this. No, that's common. Uh, I'll. 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 Um. I'll. Sorry. Nope, you're good. Um. Oh, chaotic. Chaotic neutral. <laughs> chaotic good. Um. Yeah. I'll take a. I'll take a plus one for later. Um. Okay. And. Can you think of a way that would act quietly in this circle? This seems like power is like an intrinsically loud. True, but you don't have to. It doesn't have to be like a. It doesn't have to be like Jurassic Park where all of a sudden the lights just go and start like powering up. It can be a slow boot up where the system begins to gradually gain power and start assigning it to the systems. You can do a. a, You can basically. Uh, think of it like staggering where the power is allocated to main systems. It's so like a slower boot up. You can kind of decide where and how no. this happens. If Let's you want to do that. Stagger, stagger, stagger. Okay, cool. You guys all hear this as the reactor is constantly trying to be booted up. And then manually, Isaac begins to switch it on and you all hear this the lights begin to slowly rise and Tig, you pull yourself up and look down. You see just past the threshold of the ambient light of this room is a shaft that just goes into abyssal darkness beyond your sight. It, the, the lamp light from, uh, from your shoulder, you begin to sort of angle it up towards to see what you can look inside 
Um, all of you hear the <laughs> as the thing begins to finally boot up. Some of the computer outs uh, consoles begin to light up. Some of them begin to register that they are going through reboot mode. Um, Mother has been asking inquiries. Apparently, you're already getting feedback that Mother is running on absolute minimal power and is not in higher functioning. Looks like she is basically constantly requesting uh, status updates and trying to reboot the power from her command consoles up above on one of the other decks. Which one? You're not sure. Tig, uh, make me an observation check. One point of stress. Okay. Oh, oh, three successes. Three successes. Yeah. Um, one on the panic die. <laughs> Not a one, but one of the successes is the is the. Okay, with an observation check, um, can't really stunt that here. Yeah. Um, you can ask questions like, is it coming for me? Are there more than close by? How do I pass it in the way? Stuff like that. Um, oh, 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 yeah, you tell me what, tell me what I see. We'll see what we do with that. Yeah, you basically glance into the corridor and you don't see anything down that long, dark shaft, except for, for a second. You think what looks like the shadows at the very bottom, um, they're not shadows. In fact, it looks like gore smeared down the bottom of this small entryway. It, you thought for a second that it was going to peel back like the rest of the shadows do when you shine a light on it, but instead you just see it glisten. And at the very end of the corridor where you just keep tracking it, um, in the split second that you glance down there, you immediately your motion tracker begins to click as you see something glossy at the very end of the corridor move and vanish. And then a few seconds later, your motion tracker goes quiet again. The power boots up as the lights begin to form up into the inside of the engineering space. And um, everyone, none of y'all saw what Tig saw. Everyone heard the motion tracker, though. That's not something you can mask. But it stops. The clicking stops immediately. Tig, you kind of stare straight ahead. You're not sure what you saw. But something about 80 feet down that pipeline moved and vanished from sight. Like it skittered away. I think Tig is in this like complete frozen, like everything that she has just learned today <laughs> and absorbed from like a intellectual, like medical research standpoint, like, like a Rolodex flips through her mind and that like black sheen, the like gore, this viscera. I think there's just like an instinctual moment of like, do not blink, do not look away, like mm -hmm. keep make sure it's gone before you turn your back kind of a thing and i you think freeze and keep looking for yeah for like probably like a solid 10 seconds so like after the motion sensor stops and goes back to like clicks everybody would probably just see tig completely stock still for like probably a full 10 seconds like not letting herself look away until she knows for sure nothing is coming for them because you rolled three successes you manage to react. The thing that was moving at the end of this 80-foot way drew your attention away from the thing that was attached to the ceiling 
crab-like, <laughs> the long tail dashes towards you suddenly at high speed. It goes skitters towards you, yellowish skin as it comes darting towards you. And Tig, just as you inhale, it leaps. Hey, guess what? With I its have hands out like this. I have out. <laughs> I'm cliffhangering you. I know you are. And I'm because it's nine o'clock. Of course. Oh, no, it is. <laughs> oh, the passage of time is rude. <laughs> I'm terrified. I took so many new talents, you guys. I can't wait to hopefully not die before I get to use all of them. You just got cliffhangered, son. <laughs> oh, no. I'm activating my emotional support. If it, if it will, it's going to make you feel a little bit better. Because you, I rolled, you rolled observation against the stealth check that I rolled. Ace huggers can do some pretty good stealth checks, but you beat it. So but we'll see what happens. Away. That's why you don't yeah. turn your back, baby. We're gonna see what happens next Monday night. Oh. Oh. Um, that's gonna do it for us tonight, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Beacon. Do come back for another relaxing game next Monday night. <laughs> We will see you then. Until then, sleep well. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you want to learn more about our shows, make sure to join us on Discord and follow us on social media. And always remember, you're amazing. And thank you for helping.